Welcome to Industry 4.0. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 30 of I4O. Um, I'm joined today by the much-missed Jeff Budzinski and Urban and Kyle. How is everyone doing today? Gotta say, Matt, it's great to be back. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to be here with you. I've been off a couple weeks too now, guys. You, don't, you have. Don't forget. You have. I was going mean, to, last but not least, I have to get to you. I was going to call you out after, but I needed to give Jeff the floor. Aw. <laughs> well, obviously. I mean, Jeffrey's. <laughs> just, oh. But anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the bearded wonder himself, Kyle Fisher. Hey. <laughs> um, but you don't yeah, believe today, me, just read the lower third. Yes. We have lower thirds now. We're... For anybody who's listening, uh, you're missing out on these fantastic lower thirds. Um, so next time, try tuning in if you can catch whenever we sporadically do our live stream. So, um, but yeah, getting into the actual show itself, um, we have a little bit of news for you today. Um, most of it is centered around Apple, Coinbase, and video streaming services. So to to jump straight into it. Um, Guys, uh, poop was just the beginning with the face to put this Washington Post article. Um, Apple is sharing your face with apps. And we did talk about this a few episodes ago when we first learned about Face ID and its capabilities. But now we're starting to learn the full scope of what they're actually going to be distributing to third parties. Um and I don't know if anybody wants to lead it off, but uh, long story short, it's it's everything they want. They want to share everything with people. Well, so uh, I, for one, am not surprised, and I think I speak for all of us. I'm not sure if that's true, but I think I speak for all of us when I say that it's not that surprising. I want to. I'm curious: is our listener base surprised that Apple is sharing your face data? Um, I think that with this this new and exciting technology, um, the Animoji wave that has hit the smartphone market and the consumer market, everyone's going crazy about it. It's so cool. But at the same time, it's tracking your face all the time. Yeah. Um, and the thing, I mean, like we all knew that uh, Apple, like, like we had brought up, was going to be sharing stuff, but... Um, to be completely honest, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised at all that Apple is sharing this. But the only thing that would have made me second guess it was that Apple is more or less known among the other companies in the same market as the most privacy friendly of all of the companies. So that in itself is a little bit of a surprise, but I I like they're they're a financial they're in it for money they have shareholders they're in it to make as much money as possible and to be as profitable as they can be so um I'm not shocked at all but so unless anyone has a initial comment I have a follow-up question what why should the consumer be mad about this is it because they're not getting uh, their cut out of what Apple earns off of their face is it because now their information is being used in a way they didn't expect it to be used? Well, me, to answer that from my personal opinion, um, they're selling something that is accurate of your face to about 30,000 points. So it's not far-fetched anymore to say that a company could be purchasing your face to say, make some kind of like it, it would be possible for someone to fake it being a company and then like make a mask of you or something i don't know how nefarious you could get with a mask of your face but it would be pretty accurate with thirty thousand points but yeah more importantly your face as the article quotes is open for business they can sell it to anybody and with the kind of technologies that we have available the amount of marketing you can get off of someone's facial expressions when they're looking at certain web pages or Anything like that is arguably more accurate in, in any modern form of advertising. They're seeing live how you're reacting to what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, someone made an app. Uh, if you have an iPhone uh, 10, you can download it. It's called Measure uh, Kit, uh, where you can see exactly what data is available to third-party app developers. Uh, 
while accessing the the true depth camera up at the top in the notch the love it the uh the all love notch at the top of the iphone 10 uh you can uh download an app and see exactly what's tracked it's 52 unique micro movements in your eyelids mouth and other features um and then the developer uh told um the washington uh yeah the washington post that he's planning to make an update to the app that lets you create a uh, 3d model an exact 3d model of your face with uh using that data as well as superimposing that picture right. uh, over that um, but, but guys i mean yeah i understand the gravity of this but couldn't our our lovely google be doing the same thing with our hangout session right now they could but it wouldn't be nearly as accurate as apple's measurement Understood. Just I mean, to the image. Yeah, unless maybe someone is using a Windows Hello webcam that is currently in our show. But well, facial recognition software is pretty pretty good as it is too. I mean, yeah. you can I can in that's yeah, but that's sort of different. That recognizing faces, yeah. I mean, a lot of apps can do that, and I mean, Google Photos already does that. With if you tell people or tell Google Photos what someone he is, it'll recognize in future photos that you take of them. It's like, hey, is this Matt Slavin? It's like, mm-hmm. yep, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's sort of different because that's just recognizing facial features. But yeah. this, this is a lot more data. Well, also, but, to, to put your pitchforks down for a moment, it's important to note that no. it does... <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> put out the fires. Put the pitchforks down. It's not all bad. I don't think it you is- understand how nope. fires work. <laughs> <laughs> it requires that developers first ask users permission before accessing the camera. So yeah. you're going to get a um, notification when <laughs> someone's trying to do this. And also, um, they require that apps must explain how and where this data will be used. But um, well, that's all fine and good. Um, there's someone could also bring the counterpoint of that's it. Like there's no other mention of signing a privacy policy. There's no other mention of doing anything, taking any additional steps on their end. It's just, can we use your face? And here's what we plan to do with it. And right, they can, they're going to stick that into like some terms and conditions that literally nobody reads. Yeah. Yep. It's also very easy to like blend that into some form of legalese that's impossible for any standard user yeah. to understand. So unless you really know what you're looking for, but I don't know. Also, if it's an app designed around the camera, right? If you download that app, it's like, of course you're gonna let it use your camera. You're gonna accept those permissions, right? And then you don't know what else. It's like, oh, it's just a camera app. It's gonna take a picture of my face. It's gonna do whatever it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But in the background, it could be collecting all that. And yeah, well, yeah. The article summarizes this perfectly. Yeah. I they think say, oh, go ahead, Jeff. no. Quote your article. I have something to say after. Uh, the article says, um, but when it comes to you to tap OK to that access, it, you get a pop-up that says, can we access your camera? It doesn't say, hey, I'm not going to map every single Twitch you make in the <laughs> next, as long as you have the app. Like, <laughs> Right. And that's that. That's kind of where I was going with this. I mean, Kyle, I think you and I talked about this at one point, too. Yeah, Animojis are awesome. But did you really think, and guys, I, I'm asking this to you. I'm asking this to our audience as well. Did you really think that Apple is going to come out with this technology just so you could unlock your phone and so you can send emojis that use your facial expressions inside a poop emoji? Mm-hmm. No, no, they're not going to invest all this money. This is going to be huge because consumers want those things. It's cool. It's a trend. But you have to realize this You know, this veil of the friendly tech company. Tech is great. Tech can do great things, but it's for profit. That is yeah. not a mystery. Yep. So, you know, this this kind of use of your information, of your face, and selling it to third parties, that's what the game is for Apple. Right. A lot of people made a big stink about these companies getting your fingerprint, but now they have a possibly the most accurate 3D model of your entire face ever done by a smartphone. So where's the... Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, where's the difference here? Where's the, what's the trade-off? When does it end? When, at what point 
do you, like are you gonna have a phone that unlocks with a blood sample at this point? I got heart rate. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's when that's when you, that's when you start to draw a line and say, okay, we see where you're going with this. But I think yeah. another thing to do is to take it in the direction of okay, now they have all this stuff about your facial expressions and recognition. What are they gonna do with it while the third parties have it? Who else wants it, and why do they want it? Right. Where can we see this in the future? Is this gonna be something like Black Mirror, where you you walk and someone recognizes you and is offering you an ad and you're kind of forced to view the ad or pay to skip it or, you know, what, what kind of route are we headed down here? Oh man, dude, you just made me think of that. They could have something where like you can't break eye contact with an ad for 30 seconds because they have the capability to, your phone won't unlock unless you look at it. Like, Wow. That's, that's like right. the way the ad pauses. That is the black. I told you guys. I told you guys. I got. <laughs> I got my Google Daydream. I was psyched about it. It's VR. It's a VR headset for anyone who doesn't know out there. Made by Google. You know, it's relatively affordable. I can use it with my Pixel XL, Pixel Two XL. And I was watching Netflix, and I thought, what could, what should I do for my first viewing in VR? And me being the, I guess. Uh, VR masochist that I am, I decided to watch the Black Mirror episode about the like virtual and augmented reality world that they're trapped <laughs> to live in when there's some sort of apocalypse elsewhere. So, Perfect. yeah, you have to like th- you're trapped in your room at night. Your walls are all screens, and they play advertisements at, in the middle of the day, and you just have to watch them. And if you don't want to watch it, you have to skip it. And that's kind of the same thing Matt's getting at here with with these phones. Can they now right. track when you're you're you want to look at your Facebook feed? Oh, you got to watch this for thirty seconds, and if you look away, we'll know. Right, and when will it end? Yeah, and Apple's future products are rumored to have uh, the this Face ID um, built into it, uh, not just iPhone ten, but uh, every version of the iPhone as well as the MacBook Pros uh, are going to have uh, this sensor uh, suite up at the top. Um, so uh, the, the rumors have been that that's Apple's plan is to integrate this to every product line that they can. Um, so I don't think we're getting away from this anytime soon. No. And what better company to give this important facial data to than one who is literally releasing an emergency security update in order to fix major bugs that are coming with their phones? <sighs> right. Uh, yeah. So there's a Mac rumor article that we have in the show notes. Uh, they're releasing iOS 11.2, which comes with Apple Pay Cash, um, faster 7.5-watt wireless charging, and a very interesting bug fix for a date issue. And Irvin, I know you went on um, a heated discussion, a uh, heated one-sided discussion about your <laughs> about your gripes with Apple. So I'd, yes, I'm there's, curious to hear there's your opinion on Yes, there's software quality last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that little mini, mini ran out. We went quite long. Um, but yeah, so this just proves my point that I made last week <laughs> that Apple is getting worse and worse as software. Um, so it was sort of an emergency release because it wasn't supposed to launch till I think this week, like the actual week, but they launched it on uh, Saturday. Um, um, late Saturday, or well, you would say not late Saturday, late Friday, early Saturday, around late Friday around midnight, um, they launched this um, emergency fix uh, to fix a, uh, a bug. Uh, so they've been doing beta tests of the 11.2, but I think that that one developer noticed that once the date hit December 2nd, um, if you got a notification on your iPhone, it would just um, uh, reboot. Um, yeah, so the Apple's temporary fix until you can get this update downloaded was to disable all notifications on your phone um, until that. And I actually experienced this because I do have an iPhone that I use for work uh, on occasion. And I was just sitting on my um, uh, bedside table and it was off. So I turned it on actually uh, this morning and it wasn't updated, right? It still had the old version, and it just kept rebooting and rebooting. It did this whole boot loop um, thing that I'm not used to seeing on Apple devices. I'm sort of used to it on on Android. That's it's sad that that makes me <laughs> say that, <laughs> but it is more common on Android. 
It is. But I've never seen that on an Apple device. And it just kept, re- well, not reboot, but respringing where that you get that circle that it goes. That, um, so, yeah, so I had to plug into my computer to actually get it to update to 11.2. It couldn't update because I couldn't get to the setting screen to actually update. So I think a lot of people were affected by this who weren't reading the articles or like just randomly. It's like, hey, woke up on December 2nd, then their phone was non-functional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for anybody <laughs> holding off from that iOS 11 update, maybe that was a smart if idea. It's if it's rebooting and you don't know why, now you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, there were some nice things that were added in this update on top yeah. of this emergency thing. So, one of the um, one of the newest updates they released is uh, in-app supported Venmo. I mean, Apple Pay Cash. Um, <laughs> Make it rain. And it'll Make it rain. Bye, Venmo. Good night. Yeah. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah, and I think Google's planning on rolling this out in Android Pay for Android messages as well at some point. But that's yeah. probably down the line. Um, but yeah, it's basically just Square Cash or Venmo, peer-to-peer uh, money transactions um, digitally. But um, the update that I'm actually interested in talking about a little bit, and this kind of leans towards Apple's future that we all think they may be going to when they release a device that has no ports at all, no charger, no headphone jack, no button, no nothing. Um, but their update to support 7.5 watt charging wirelessly that's actually faster than the five watt cable that comes with the iPhone. Yes, it is. So now it's a little bit more of an incentive for people to pick up a Qi charger that supports 7.5 watt yeah. charging. So not all of them do. So you have to make sure you look at the specs and that the one that supports sort of like the faster charging right. speed. Um, yeah. But I would assume all the in house Apple wireless chargers would support the 7.5 watt just because. The ones that they sell in stores, probably. Yeah. Like the first-party ones? One. Yeah, because they don't make one. So they're, they're all third-party. They don't have any first-party ones. Apple are doesn't... they coming? Yes, they are coming, but they're yeah. not out yet. The one that charges the watch and the phone yes. at the same time and the AirPods? Yeah, and the AirPods. <laughs> yeah, that's coming, but New that's... from Apple, the iBowl. You put all of your devices in a bowl, and they all charge <laughs> fast as can be. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh I mean, man, Kyle, you're an Apple. You're an Apple guy. What, yes. what kind of what kind oh, of charging experience you had? <laughs> were you what happened? Were you affected <laughs> by this? <laughs> uh, we're we're talking about this this new patch on iOS that uh, yeah, no, no, it, that yeah, I followed. Yeah, so so I'm pretty much asking you about your charging experience. Are are you are you excited about 7.5 watt wireless charging for an iPhone? I mean, I mean, I, I'm not even using a wireless charger right now. I haven't upgraded my phone. So. But are you excited about it? <laughs> when I get a new one, I guess that'll be cool. Like I, yeah. I've I've never felt the the need for wireless charging. Um, but it sounds like, like you said, I mean, their goal is to force me to go that way anyway. So, um, I guess I'm excited about it being faster. You know, I mean, you always want it to be as fast as possible. I mean, a lot of people what uh, the uh, the Pixel Two what charges in like charge like 70 percent in 15 minutes or something like that like yeah something like that uh, like that's i mean i would love that instead my phone takes forever and dies immediately so like it's <laughs> i would love to i would love to be able to have my phone like i don't have to charge it once daily or twice daily or three times daily like most you of the time kind of top it off as you need it yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's cool that it's faster um, I just so explain this to me. Explain like I'm five because I I feel like an idiot. But if the update is faster than the cord, does that not make it? It doesn't not make a difference. If the cord, if can the cord not? Or I'm sorry. It's like if if it if the pad itself can't handle it, then what's the point of updating beyond that? Um, in the case that they come out with a newer iPhone that supports a higher watt wireless charging, then it's a future proof type thing if you get a higher watt wireless you're getting ready for it i guess i, I just... guess um but i think why, why don't you worry about like not having bugs in the first place that you have to put out emergency fixes for and double and triple checking for that instead of putting well, out stuff that doesn't matter yet yeah like, you know. now you're just trying to find the yellow brick road like the, you know the yellow brick road like you're not you're not going to have a perfect situation uh, Kyle. 
Of course. Yeah. Well, and the, the one thing that bothers me, and I mean, I've talked about this before, and it's it's not huge in this case, in my opinion, but like it, you, people, because they know that people are buying them, people are going to have to wait. You can't fight back. It's not like I am a. It's not like I'm Apple's client, and they have to impress me. They can kind of go, you know, halfway through their process. They guy, okay, it works on the service. All right, it's good, go. And then know that they can fix it later instead of putting out a finished product. I mean, everybody does it, not just Apple. I'm just using them as an example that we're talking about. Right, and this is a recurring theme for us too. Video games, and you see it in phones, and you see it in everything. Anything that's wrong, it's just because they didn't take the time to fix it nine times out of ten. It's like it's because you know you can fix it later. You're just like, ah, whatever, just get it out. It's 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 lazy. It's it's it's, it's exactly what. And like Irvin, like you said, like they're they're it's slowly more things like this are occurring. It's because they ju- they know they can be lazy and get away with it. And it's like ah, we'll let you be the 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 tester and the developer. We'll let you guys do it. Well, here's here's the question that comes after that. If that does that upset you? It's just it's just frustrating. Like I get that it's nice that they can fix so they can get stuff out quicker. But like I'd much rather have the finished product in my hand than have to worry about oh I had to do these three updates because you guys screwed stuff up before you released it. So what I'm getting at is you're an Apple guy. Is that is that enough to make you say I'm done with you guys? No, I don't think it is for most Apple users, and I think that's why they can keep getting away with it. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it hasn't stopped me from buying any other piece of technology or any other medium that I've been interested in. So I guess I'm just complaining to complain. But I'm with you. Trust me. But and also, um, it's it's worth noting for anybody who is an Apple user who does not have wireless charging, um, using the charging brick that comes with the iPad will charge your iPhone faster than normal. So nice. if you didn't if you didn't know that, then it might be worth picking up one if you wanted faster charging but i did not but that is good to know for people yeah um but there's a couple other minor things that they announced also in this so um when it comes to the iphone 10's interface they had a small bar underneath the status bar icons which have like your cell service your wi-fi and the battery and it's designed just to kind of make the location of the control center gesture a little more clear to people I guess because people were having a hard time finding the control center after they picked up their new iPhone. But um, you access that by swiping down from the top right of the device. Um, And there are now also two new informational pop-ups that I actually think is a great idea because they kind of just under the hood change the the functionality of these buttons without telling anybody. So in the control panel, uh, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, if you were to disable it through that way in iOS 11, it's only a temporary disable. It does not disable it permanently. So anybody who's trying to turn that off permanently for the sake of either security or just they don't want those things scanning while they're outside, uh, you now get a pop-up when you press it through the control panel indicating that it's only going to be off for a certain amount of time before it comes back on automatically. So. It's useful, but it's a little less um, of an update to note than anything else. Um, yeah, in the previous episode, I mean, previous uh, version of uh, iOS, when you pressed iOS 11, when you pressed the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth icon, it wouldn't actually turn off Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Yes. It would just disconnect you from the current Wi-Fi network or Bluetooth yeah. device that you were connected to, uh, which is... Uh, kind of crazy because you're just like i wanted to save a wi-fi just turned it off and you thought the button did one thing but it actually didn't and that was weird for me it's not just like that was a new thing they did like it used to do that the old command center yeah used to turn it off all the way and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're hitting that i don't want to be on bluetooth anymore and then you're walking by something that's bluetooth enabled and it's trying to connect you i mean i had to look it up to find that out but that made me uh pretty ticked off but don't worry, because in the dedicated TV app, they added a new sports section from their ESPN integration. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can throw all the security out the window because you can watch live football and basketball. Show me so. what you've got. <laughs> so it's it's an update, but um, there's made there they fixed the um, looks like this is they they fixed the calculator bug, Urban. Yes. 
that's something else that they noticed. They removes the animations from the calculator app, so <laughs> calculations can be done quickly and with no need to pause between entering numbers so that 1 plus 2 plus 3 does not equal 24, but it in fact equals 6. Good. <laughs> that was fun to mess uh, with while it, it was crazy. around. Yeah. Yeah, so you no longer... So this actually... Um, if you don't like rebooting iPhones or uh, not knowing when your Wi-Fi is actually off, then it might be worth your time to actually update because you get a working calculator as a result. So, <laughs> it's it is this is the world we live in now, guys. This is it, form over function. Yeah. But um, to move to the next one, um, it's all last about those sales. Apple. Yeah. Last so, Apple story, we promise. Yes, this is the last Apple story, and then we'll move on to. Um, some more pressing matters, but uh, analysts have uh, stated that Apple could have sold six million iPhone tens during its Black Friday weekend. So it's not an exact number, but um, it's uh, hard to grasp their success. So last year they sold thirty nine million when you combine all of the models. So it was big. Um, if you don't take into account their other iPhone models. So oh, it's sorry. say that again, Matt, one more time. That stat I want to make sure I got it right. Apple sold thirty nine point three million iPhones last quarter. Okay. Um, when you combine all iPhone models. So in other words, uh, they usually sell around one point seven five million iPhones during a four day period. So this is a big jump for them. So yeah. and it also kind of proves all of the tech analysts and reviewers and people who were kind of hesitant about the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, it kind of proved them all right when they said that um, people were holding out until the iPhone 10 to pick that up. So when it I, w- I would think that Tim Cook would be saying, now what y'all want to do? You want to be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, because it's all about <laughs> the Benjamins, baby. Uh, <laughs> He's got a lot of Benjamins. That's 10 per iPhone. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I love Caseta by Lutron. The smart he's a uh, control for my phone. We're all set. Alexa. Hey, are we Someone in that got phone? That autoplay? Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's huge. let's go. Let's go again. Okay. So, um, <laughs> it's all about the Benjamin's baby, for uh, Tim Cook, because it's saying they sold. Am I reading this right? Six million. Six yeah. million iPhone tens during Black Friday weekend. That's the estimate. Yeah. <laughs> so listen. I did some digging on some some over unders on the price here, and apparently it cost them about about three hundred and fifty seven dollars to make one of these things, with just like right. raw parts in general, and they're selling them for a thousand dollars a pop, right? Yeah. And there's a stat at the bottom of this that says most people are opting for the two hundred fifty six gigabyte unit instead of the sixty four. True. They're selling about twice as many. 256 units so that's 1200 $1, no yeah $1,100 so, so an extra uh, hundred dollars on two-thirds of the units right mm-hmm. pretty much so it's yeah. let's let's go by the base stat if they were selling them all just at the thousand dollar price that would be coming out to six million times 64 percent oh my goodness it's a big number. It's a lot of zeros. But um, this is uh, further evidence that, I, that Apple is quickly on the path to being the first trillion-dollar company. That is a $3.84 trillion profit. What? Is it, I don't think it's trillion. Oh, billion. Oh, Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Billion. Whoa. <laughs> guys, guys, give me... Get, that's my freebie for the week, okay? <laughs> Right. Apple could single-handedly pay off the U.S. national debt with their orders, with their earnings on Black Friday. If someone just shut off the episode right there, they would just be like, their mind would be blown. All right, $3.84 billion profit. There you go. And that's based now on just the $1,000. you were just staring at the wall. <laughs> just yeah. shell shot. Uh, uh, oh, man. Uh, anyway, $3.84 billion of profit for Apple that weekend. Oh, that's going with a one thousand dollar unit, so yeah. we're looking well over four billion dollars. Yeah, but just an interesting number, and just like we were saying, just further evidence that they're all well on their way to being valued at the first trillion dollar company. Uh, you know, you know uh, how much uh, Bitcoin you can buy with that uh, profit? Uh, quite a bit. I can quite tell a bit you in a second. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, not over twenty thousand, because if you sell more than that, then you have to report to the IRS, according to this uh, new article from Motherboard about um, about uh, what should we call Coinbase being forced to turn over the identities of fourteen thousand plus cryptocurrency traders. So uh, they're starting to kind of catch on to this whole cryptocurrency fad. It's not exactly dying out with uh, Bitcoin about eleven thousand dollars as of today. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Coinbase lost a legal battle uh, against the California federal court. They ordered them to uh, turn over the identities of, uh, like uh, Matt mentioned, over fourteen thousand people. Um, and those people who thought that just having Bitcoin will have anonymous. Um, you can anonymize your transactions by just having Bitcoin it's no longer the case, because I, I mean, if you sold 20,000 worth of uh, cryptocurrency, uh, IRS wants to know about it because that's profit. Um, and uh, you have to report your profits to the IRS or you go to jail. Yep. Yeah. And more than 10,000, the article quotes that more than 10,000 people bought or sold more than $20,000 worth of cryptocurrency in that time, but only 800 to 900 of them have electronically filed returns with a property description related to Bitcoin in that period. Mm-hmm. So now people aren't uh, reporting this to the taxes. No, they are not. Uncle Sam uh, is coming after you. Yeah. And I just checked. Uh, Bitcoin is now currently valued at $11,586. So yeah. they're probably making a bit more money now than just 20000 What if you yeah. never sold any? You just hold it onto it. Then, well, then would you, it still be earning? You do not no, need uh, to report that. No, because it's no, not coming not, out as yeah, you only U.S. Need to cash. Once you sell, it's okay. like similar to a uh, stock market, I assume. Yeah. Raven, yes. correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. But yeah, when you yep. invest, you don't get taxed on anything until you take it out and you have your earnings. Yep. So, so that should be interesting to see as Bitcoin becomes uh, used and more commonly um, acquired and distributed as more of an actual currency because it is starting to kind of come into its own with having a, a legitimate financial value oh, considering yeah. um, what one guy what's that it's also going to get into the mainstream more people is like oh i can buy bitcoin they don't know the consequences right and they're like oh i just bought all this bitcoin that and then i was like oh i sold it for a profit and then Next thing you know, the IRS is coming after you. He's like, hey, where, where does all this money come from? Okay, here's yeah. my question. Uh, if you invest $300 into Bitcoin back when it's pretty low and it blows up now to where it's worth $12,000 uh, per Bitcoin and you're in the money, so to speak. And, you know, if you were to take that Bitcoin and turn it into U.S. dollars, that's my understanding that that's when you are to be taxed on it because that's income similar to how stocks are, are taxed when you sell them and then you obtain a profit from your initial investment so if you leave it in the bitcoin form and now as more and more services and sites are doing you're able to purchase actual goods with bitcoin online if you never turn turn it back into us dollars and you buy things is that something that can be taxed that i don't know I would. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I would have to do some research on it, but I wouldn't think that that would need to be reported at all. The current current uh, system, the tax system, I don't think can, is meant to handle that type of transaction. And I think a lot has to be changed uh, for all these cryptocurrencies in the future if they're going to become mainstream, where you can buy and sell goods just by exchanging Bitcoin. You're not actually changing it to U.S. dollars. Yeah. Um, Does I, if I, any I mean, financial experts want to reach out to us and ex- give us a little lesson? Then I'm more yeah, than willing. If to any, learn a anyone who listen, yeah, if anyone who's listening or is uh, listening to the the recording of this episode uh, knows anything about this matter and would like to let us know, uh, you can feel free to reach out to us on Facebook. Um, you could also get in touch with us via email. Um, you can reach out to us on Facebook and get our email. Um, but pretty much, I, I think I'm with you guys. I don't think anything's in place right now that would allow them to do this because 
the IRS is overseeing US dollars. That's our currency, mm-hmm. right? Even if like a foreign trade were to occur, I don't think they have any significant domain over cryptocurrency unless you cash out on it. But yeah, I really um, don't know. And then so, this even cryptocurrency itself is so new to everything that no one really knows how to interpret it yet. And this is kind of like the first steps of um, financial institutions kind of catching on and realizing that this is a legitimate currency. So, but it, it feels almost like like back, you know, way back when, it was like you know, trading and bartering when you're talking about the cryptocurrency, because like you said, it's not a government backed currency. It's not. It's kind of, um, I don't know, made up kind of, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it, it feels a lot like, like, what can you really say about me giving someone this figure, this figurative digital thing for a good? Like, what can you, what can they really do? I don't know. Someone was trying to explain uh, mining cryptocurrency to me the other day. And I had one person like very vaguely describe it to me as basically taking pieces, like chunks, they're called, I think, of the blockchain and getting them attributed to your own net crypto worth um, based on the fact that you have hardware and electricity that's allowing transactions to occur on your machine, whether you know it or not. Since you allow that to happen there, you pretty much are given like like a fraction of a cent for allowing that to happen on that hardware, and that's kind of what mining is. I don't know what... I haven't researched this enough. I, I've said this for about a week now, but I want to research this more. Do any of you know? Not enough to talk at length about it. Okay. I know just the basics, but um, I do hope to um, using our new uh, second half format or um, new show format for the second part, I do want to actually have a breakdown of the basics, like the TLDR of Bitcoin, what it is and stuff like that. So that would be... I think a great topic to have for that. Just a yeah, a less like a, a what is like a crash course to Bitcoin or crypto. Right. I need that because <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't even know what it, I know. I'm on this this podcast and we're amazing and we know all about tech. I I couldn't tell you what it is. Well, well the yeah. thing is, Kyle, if anybody asked me, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> most people I don't. don't. It's it's a, a a fad generally, but like it's it's got some backing and it does have some validity to it. Um, Mm -hmm. so it would be nice if we could all, you know, take this home and maybe come back for our second half next week or something and really kind of go into depth about it since it's a hot topic and it seems like it's going to be a hot topic for a long time now. Absolutely. Especially since you can buy a used car with one coin now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's fairly, fairly big and and a decent used car at that too. I, I know it's sticking around and obviously like it's, it seems to be based in legitimacy, but I it's in in my mind I'm like this is like the Scientology of money like I know it's I I'm old enough to know that it's not real like it's like it's someone made it up and a bunch of people are like yes that's that's worth so much money who told you that who told you that mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm gonna do research Kyle, so I don't yell who told you that Kyle you got your, you got your wallet on you man yeah dog you got a dollar in it uh, I think so let me see that dollar hold up let me get that. <laughs> I know. I know that this piece of paper means nothing too, because it's not yeah, that. Yeah. What, what does that mean it. to you, man? What up, son? Where's that? Bang! So, uh, uh, sir, madam, I would like to trade in this piece of paper for its net worth in gold. Where are you gonna go and do that? Yeah, but I don't need gold, dog. Yeah, you <laughs> the need government the government recognizes f- this. Yeah, but you yeah. need you need food, you need water, you need housing, right? The government doesn't recognize my computer as like, oh snap, he he mined cryptocurrency for. For a while there, he should, uh, should give him money for that. They're starting to, man. From what I've heard, I think that uh, there's some national interest in pursuing cryptocurrency. Hasn't you have to? Everyone's heard the cheesy phrase where beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Well, in this case, Bitcoin and currency is valued in the eyes of the beholder. Mm-hmm. If people want to apply value, like if like I wouldn't be surprised in 30 years if enough people backed it if toilet paper became the next currency. Like if if that was the case, it would be very low value because there's so God, much of it. I would it, be but. so rich. I mean, that's, 
similar. <laughs> it's yeah, similar it'd be to the flushing stock market. It's, it's just the value of a certain stock is whatever people are willing to pay for it, right? Yeah. So it's it's doesn't. Well, I, I it, it's funny because when you explain it more like a stock, like there's been times where we've referenced it. And it and it felt like with the way we were describing it, it felt more like a stock, and I understood it then. And then when you talk about it actually being a form of currency, I'm like, I don't understand. Like the the two just don't. I know that st- stocks you can think of stocks the same way, but it just kind of they don't match up to me. The stock analogy explains the current value and how it's going up and and what uh, what that is. But some people have a hard time getting the, uh, their head around how th- the mining aspect of it, like how you can earn. Yeah, that's the more confusing. Right. Sure. I just yeah. Right. Well, but, um, and also, like, how does it grow besides just throwing U.S. dollars, a current currency, into it? Right. I think some of, like, and that's where it gets into a gray area. Like, I think that some of these are backed by actual projects and code bases that are being worked on by development teams in an actual, um, like, an environment. Like, they're producing a product, and it's the the, the cryptocurrency is the product in that case. And it's like there's they're coming from all different angles. And it's very hard to kind of grasp exactly what is one coin. You have like Dogecoin, you have Bitcoin, you have Litecoin, you have Ethereum, you have every like every coin under the sun and every altcoin out there. And even speaking of altcoins, I have to agree with our Twitch chat and say that I myself would definitely invest in Bud's coin. <laughs> <laughs> so uh to uh down down the pipeline just be on be on the lookout guys i keep out for that blockchain yeah i'll be the first to mine it but um but yeah i mean like i said we could talk at length about bitcoin and uh, and, and we could get nowhere so i i think that we, we do have need a homework assignment have, we all have a homework assignment yeah take it back and learn as much as possible and there are um cryptocurrency podcasts out there i can't name any off the top of my head but i had listened to a couple of them to kind of get an understanding of how the blockchain itself works um but like i said it's not enough for me to to me like rattle off information on the show right now hey that'd be cool man maybe reaching out to one of them like some friendly for some friendly guys and saying hey let's let's take some of yours some of ours let's have like a little discussion about it yeah Maybe even have a guest on the show talk about cryptocurrency. Yeah, or maybe be guests on their shows. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm open to either one, but yeah. it's 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 all in the sake. It's all for knowledge. It's all in the sake of learning. For knowledge, knowledge <laughs> is power. <laughs> like we we need that. Like the more you know, better to come across the screen. Well, I just got the green screen, but give me some time and I'll get there. All right, we got this. Yeah. But um, speaking of knowing more, uh, we now know more of how much Amazon might have sold on their Alexa devices over the holiday shopping weekend, <laughs> as well as Apple. <laughs> oh, he got him. <laughs> so with that stretch, um, it's estimated that they might have sold around 20 million devices over the past weekend, which is right around the Ooh. same estimates as their 16.6, I think was the exact number, um, estimates from last holiday season so they're doing pretty good yeah um amazon's uh doing all right jeff bezos is uh now the richest man in the world yeah i've been to best buy on more than a couple of occasions and seen just giant tubs filled with echo dots yeah like to the brim with hopefully hopefully talking to each other if anyone is having fun they're all communicating (laughs) yeah But um, I think that this is a sign of the smart home having a huge explosion in adoption over the next several years. And at thirty dollars, it's just a stocking stuffer. It's so easy, right? And everyone's talking about it. It's on every news show. People are talking about like, "Ooh, is this Amazon Echo? What can it do? It's pretty cool." And this is invading people's homes. Um, not, I mean, you could take that in a bad way too, but <laughs> they're putting microphones in people's homes. Yeah. You see yeah. this over my shoulder right here? Hey, yes. right here? there's two Google homes right there. That's, that's a, that's a sign of the adoption rate. People yeah. want them again. It's something. Yeah. They're, they're I'm, awesome. Again, though, with, with the, the facial recognition from Apple, what are they going to do with it? What do you have to be afraid of? Is it worth it? Right. 
Is it cool enough? Do you not care? Like, I don't know. I, I got one in my bathroom. Yeah. And I think that as people learn what these things are capable of and um, kind of get over the honeymoon phase of like, tell me a joke or play a fart sound or like, what does a whale sound like? I think they'll get over that and start to wonder what else is this thing capable of and yeah. how can I, how can I make it? How can I make my life easier with this technology? And, See, and it's funny. It's funny you say that because I was actually going to ask, what percentage of people do you think are actually going to use it going forward and to a fuller potential than like play this song or like yeah. yelling at a party like, hey, look what my thing does. Like, I think I think um, they're going to be. I think your your adventurous tech users who may not be instantaneously adventurous are going to kind of figure it out on their own that way. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of social media spreading of things you can do that'll open people's mind to that. Yeah, that'll, um, I agree. That'll, like, right after Christmas, you'll see a lot of things. Uh, yeah. And to there. make it make it clear, uh, the tech providers are definitely a little bit behind on w what they can do. They have the initial stuff out there, the exciting basic stuff out there, but there's a lot more mm -hmm. that can be done. And I, I also think that um, another group that will pick this up relatively quickly is the home theater geek, somebody who is yeah. very invested in making their home theater environment as well-connected and as efficient as possible, especially when you have you can pick up a Chromecast Ultra for under $100 and a Google Home, and then all of a sudden you can just tell your TV to play stuff. So yeah. or even some TVs come built in with Chromecast or Roku or um, Amazon TV or any of those hookups, even Apple TV, and when the HomePod comes out, yeah, I'm assuming that will be connected as well. So, I mean, Matt, it's something that's going to be adopted at a rate that's just—I think it's going to be exponential. I I know we're we're on Amazon right now, but because the listeners and viewers don't know, I I messaged you guys earlier this week. Um, did I have my Google Home Mini and my uh, Chromecast in my bedroom, and I have obviously my pixel 2 xl with me as my phone so one thing i ran into there that is kind of something you might not expect if you're like me but right now you i i can cast to my chromecast on my monitor slash tv it plays everything great i control it from my phone but i do not have the option of playing the audio from that chromecast through my google home even though they're connected through the home app it's just something that Google hasn't done yet. So like something they could do. Yeah, it's it seems like it'd be something pretty easy to do. But they have I mean, and from what I heard from my allegedly human customer service representative, <laughs> uh that they're they've heard this before and it's in it's been requested enough times that I guess it's getting attention. Um yeah, especially with the home max coming out soon. Yeah. That could be a quick way to wrap well, up your home theater situation. Yeah, that's that's a bigger, like more capable speaker. What I have now is like, it outdoes my smartphone. It outdoes my basic cheap monitor speakers, but like it's mm -hmm. not like a car speaker, you know. When you get this, the home max, that's probably going to be something where a room and then some is going to be full of sound if you want it to be. Yeah. So. But that's, and th that would lead me to believe just the fact that they have that technology coming out would would push would push me in the direction of that would be something that happens sooner than later. I would hope. Yeah, and I asked um, about a time frame on that, and of course, I get the answer that's you know ambiguous. But yeah, yeah, we're we're working on that. I was like, I was like, when can I expect an an answer from your engineers? And just just be on the lookout. You'll you're on our mailing list. We'll let you know. So yeah, I'm gonna get an email from Sergey Brin. I'll be like, it's coming. I said we working on it, dog. <laughs> oh, and just just uh, to let anyone on the air know, uh, the the customer service rep is uh, a subscriber of our podcast now. So word Hello, gets around. Word gets around. Yeah, you know, woo. everyone people people want to hear this stuff. Tell your friends. Yeah. So, um, but to kind of go back a little bit into yeah, this, a lot of um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the way just to kind of wrap up this topic before we move on um, they were saying that um, they have over 20 million Alexa devices not only just their earnings but over 20 million Alexa devices themselves that are 
connected. And also apologies to any viewers who have an echo or are listening to this on an echo. And I just triggered that for you. But um, either way, it says that um, this Black Friday shopper spent a record $5.3 billion on Black Friday and 6.59 on Cyber Monday sales, which is beyond Amazon. But billions. It's a very profitable holiday weekend. Billions, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they call it Black Friday for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly black for uh, a lot of uh, companies' uh, bottom line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Erwin, why, don't you, why don't you embellish on that just for the listeners who don't know? What? Uh, why it's called Black Friday? Yeah. we I know. But sure. yeah. 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 So typically uh, when you're uh, doing uh, finance or you're, you're doing your books, right? If you're in the negative... Uh, you mark things in in red, um, so it clearly highlights. Yep, you're in the negative. You're 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 making less money than you're actually earning, or yeah, your your output is greater than your input. Uh, but uh, Black Friday is supposed to turn that around for a lot of businesses. That's where they make the bulk of their money for the year overall. So that's when they switch the numbers to go into black, which means that they're actually making a profit over the year. Exactly. It's funny that you said I had the, uh, the, I used to work for GameStop and there was a store in the, in a mall near us, super slow year round. And black Friday was so important to that store because it was literally the only week where they were profitable yeah. the entire year. <laughs> and it made them be profitable for the year. Oh, it's like wow. a black, it's like black a Friday, like a dollar store only week where they were, <laughs> That and Christmas week. So those two weeks were the only weeks where they made money. And then that was enough to get to make them positive on the year. That's pretty substantial. Yeah. Hey, I'm whatever works, right? You're in business to make money. Yeah. So if that's what Absolutely. does it, then. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the next topic, guys, um, I have to run. Uh, it's not because I don't uh, love the next two topics or any of you guys or any of the listeners. I just have stuff to do. So that's fine. Dudes, that it's nice. fun. Enjoy the rest of this half and the second half. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Kyle, for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining. So um, with that, I feel like it's an appropriate time to segue. Yeah, um, absolutely. He would have wanted it that way. He would have. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, there's uh, classified U.S. Army and NSA data. It was uh, stored on an unprotected server. Apparently, our government just must be using Gmail for all of their stuff or like Google Drive because... This seems to be happening to every branch of the government or someone's doing something incorrectly. So um, if anybody wants to lead off on this topic, um, otherwise I can I can get us started on it. But yeah, so the uh, researchers at UpGuard reported that the U.S. military uh, intelligence gathering uh, data has been stored on a misconfigured Amazon Web Services S3 server that wasn't password protected. Very very good <laughs> i'm uh i'm really mad right now <laughs> oh man um so while the data in that leak appeared to consist entirely of collected uh public data so things like internet posts uh news commentary and uh things of that sort it didn't contain any private information that you can just find by just looking on the internet uh in the Wherever, what type, whatever type of data this was collecting, um, it was basically just public comments um, and any posts that people have done on the internet. So that, I mean, that's not any secret, sort of, because it's on the internet, so people are gonna find it. Um, yeah. But they were labeled. Um, this is my favorite part. They were were labeled as top top secret. <laughs> And also, they were labeled with their acronyms, too. So, you know. And uh, apparently, there were also private keys used for accessing distributed intelligence systems and hashed passwords stored on the drive as well. So, <laughs> Which is you know, because lovely. security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, they, they probably had... put some intern in charge of configuring that Amazon server. Hey. Right? Yeah. hey. Some, some, summer, summer intern. <laughs> Don't you put that on an intern. Interns are great sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but my God. Analogy. It's like, oh, why are you grabbing that coffee for me? Can you just set up our Amazon Web3 service? Yeah, you're a millennial, right? You're a millennial. millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
But they said that this leak could have been avoided if the server access settings had just been configured to only allow authorized individuals into the repository. But, you know, where's the fun in that, right? <laughs> yeah, so what we mean that I read that further that anyone with a Amazon AWS account uh, could have accessed this data. And that account is free to create. Um, I have one. I don't have an Amazon AWS server running or anything, but I, I made one just to play around, poke around, see what's in there. So I could have stumbled across this server and logged in and looked at the files. Yeah, um, and then if you see a folder called Top Secret, you like kind of have to chuckle to yourself. I have a folder know. called Top Secret on my server, but that that's for certain things. You know, I have a folder called Top Secret in my Google Drive where I, I store all of my Industry 4.0 related activities. Oh, it's also known as the Show Notes folder, but you know, um, but that's you don't want to get those leaked. No, sure. I don't want to leak our show notes. It's not like we're distributing them every single time we publish an episode. <laughs> but this is um, just another sign that the, the government is out of touch with both security and technology itself. And it would behoove them to to look up and understand what a password means and what it means to use that password. <laughs> so, And also maybe name a folder something that isn't called top secret. But it is what it is. This is the world we live in. Um, to segue, um, to kind of wrap it up, we have the topic about Vidme. Um, they have shut down their user-generated video service, citing an inability to compete with Google and Facebook. So this is actually interesting. I would have thought that um, other platforms would have had a bit of a chance to jump as kind of YouTube has this out outflux of users going to other platforms due to monetization issues that are happening recently and other problems with the platform itself and communication from the top down. But it seems to be that some of them are struggling. And I, I haven't used Vidme in a while, but... I don't think I, I've ever used it. How about you, Jeff? Uh, I came mm -hmm. in a little late. I came in a little late. Have you uh, used the VidMe video platform at all? No, I've never even heard of it, honestly. So that apparently has attributed to their ultimate demise. So, yeah, um, so it's, it's hard to compete with uh, Google. I mean, and, and Facebook, because that's where the eyeballs are. I mean, you, you mentioned all the issues that people are having with YouTube and the demonetization on a lot of videos. The algorithm is marking things as not suitable for advertisers when it's just a simple video about nothing controversial and people are losing ad revenue, but people are still sticking to that platform because that's where the eyeballs are. Right. So that's watch People who watch videos don't care about the monetization thing, right? Because they're still going to watch the video. They still get it. They don't really care if the creator is not making any money on that video because they yeah. still get to see the content. But it's huge for the creators. But the creators it's, have a hard time moving away from because that's where all their subscribers is. And moving everybody over to a new platform is hard. I mean, look at the popularity of like Twitch and other platforms. And it's just... It's something that not many people thought about, that other companies, that this is a very difficult market to enter in terms of generating competition with these companies. I mean, yeah. you guys never thought about this? Because I think, I mean, I kind of assumed YouTube had this thing by the neck as soon as it got into it. Like, everyone was YouTubing. Right. You Once Google in, bought them, it was pretty much a lock that pretty they much, would be yeah. one of the number one services. I just, I just want someone to compete and try to make a better service. But if if uh, Google uh, it keeps messing up with the creators, right, not providing them with the ad revenue that they need to continue making good content, then, I mean, if there's nowhere else to move, then they're going to be stuck with the crappy service that the that's YouTube is yeah. that's already there right so right. i want i want competition to have i want it to be more choices right not just facebook and google right i want things to be successful i know it's hard because it's very expensive to do a video service because you pay for all that data and and google has 
a big pile of cash behind them. So does Facebook. So there's, that's not an issue. They can just throw money at it. But I sort of want a third player or fourth player well, in there just, but it's, I know it's hard. And we can see that by VidMe is like, hey, yeah, we're shooting that. We here's what that. makes me think YouTube is just going to own this forever. Okay. As you mentioned, YouTube owned by Google. You go to Google, mm-hmm. you search uh, video of industry 4.0, and you're going to get some video results, right? Yeah. No matter where they come from, Google finds them all for you. If yeah. YouTube is owned by Google and uses the same search algorithms, in theory, YouTube could pull the same videos in YouTube. They're just not hosted there. Just that line that is drawn between YouTube having access to all those videos from its search capability. I think that if you could, like, if, if there comes a point in time where YouTube is able to just pull whatever videos it wants from the web and stream them to anybody, that's when it's game over. It's important to note that it's not the end of VidMe. There won't be <laughs> shutting down. The article goes on to mention that they do have a significant amount of funding remaining and they plan to announce a new product next year. They didn't say what, but they're saying that uh, it's hoping to cut a deal with creator-focused company that might incorporate the technology in, in some new form. Hopefully that that new platform has luck and it can compete. They'll pivot to something else. Uh, yeah. That whatever money they have left in the venture capitals and, and they'll pivot to something else. And hopefully that will create a new type of competitor. I know a lot of creators on YouTube are now using a, a Patreon as their ma- main source of income because they can't rely on YouTube paying out uh, because they get demonetized for random reasons right. uh, on YouTube. And also uh, Amazon affiliate links are one of the m- main sources, especially for tech YouTube channels out there. Um, they just put all, a link to all the products in the description that they use. And if people buy them, they get 10%, um, which if you have a couple thousand views, if only, let's say, 10% of those people click on actually buy stuff, that's a pretty good revenue stream right there. It is. But it, people are still on YouTube, so the eyes are. So if you want to publish your video and get the most potential viewers, you want to publish to YouTube, even though you might not be making money off of it. But you you have other streams that your work, other streams of revenue that you can um, work from. But you need to publish on YouTube to actually get the views, to get right. the people yep. to click the links and, and support you on Patreon and buy this stuff on Amazon. So, yep. right. And that's where the dominance factor comes into play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, sorry to go oligarchy, kind of, I don't know. I, I didn't mean to say YouTube's the, the all owner, but they have the potential to be it's kind of what i was getting at yeah no it's it's a valid point to make so it's definitely something that um yeah so vidme was fairly proper they claimed that they had nearly 1 million registered creators and more than 25 million unique monthly users um and all told the company uh according to company it delivered 6 billion views over its lifetime and the platform's most popular creators were earning uh, thousands of dollars per month. Mm. So curious, I mean, I'm curious what the most viewed YouTube video. I'm doing is. it right now. Yeah, it's, is it still uh, Gangnam Style? Uh, top video is actually it's not Gangnam Style. Uh, yeah, Desposito. It's 4.45 billion. Yep. So all those billions they were boasting have. People have gone and watched Justin Bieber like four times that many yeah. times just on YouTube. Gangnam Style is still number three. See You Again, Wiz Khalifa, Gangnam Style. Sorry, They're all music Justin videos. Bieber. Of yeah. course they are. Oh, um, I'm trying to see if there's but, another. PewDiePie uh, is still the number one uh, YouTube subscriber, right? Number yeah. one person with, with the most YouTube subscriptions. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there's most and like ninety percent of it is music. I'm not so. sure this isn't just yeah, it's just most viewed YouTube videos. It doesn't say anything yeah. about what kind, so yeah. But um yeah, that's that's where uh VidMe shut down. So um I I wanted to if everybody was done, um if everybody had their closing thoughts on on VidMe's closing thoughts. Sure, man. Um, Go ahead. I would I would like to talk a little bit about our podcast um, and just kind of announce a new kind of platform 
that we're going to be um, kind of testing. Uh, so what we were thinking was we were going to be using a one-half episode format. And you'll notice that throughout this, we did not take a break. We just went straight through and went with the news. And in another section and a date later in the week, we will be kind of doing, uh, and we, we hinted at it in our second half mentions partway through, um, testing out this new episode format where each one of us, it's kind of like a round table. It's like a meeting of minds, if you will, um, a meeting of the, the tech news minds. And just uh, since, since each one of us has a different skill set and different hobbies and different interests in the technology world, uh, we thought it would be fun to, to try and have one of us or each one of us bring something to the table and we have a discussion about it and it's anything. So it could be uh, talk about something that they think is important in technology. It could be a new product they want to talk about. It could be an off the cuff rant about a particular technology company, not to call anybody out in particular. It could be, uh, it could be a Chrome extension in my case, um, anything. So um, in, in that case, uh, what we would be doing is just doing a one half and then a second half. So they'd be two shorter episodes, but we'd be doubling your content for the week. So more I for L for the viewers. So um, with that being said, I um, think that would be it for this, but uh, I'm curious to kind of see how, how the feedback is. If anybody has any opinions on that or suggestions on ways we could improve as we go, um, please let us know. We have multiple channels and facets with which to communicate with us. Um, right. But I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes because I, I, it'll be cool for the viewers to have an insight into each one of us as an individual as we can get everybody on the show to contribute. So, um, But if, if anybody has anything they wanted to talk about with that, uh, we can go straight into the, the closing notes of the show, if you will. <laughs> um, as for us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any social media platform under the user uh, industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, you can search for us on iTunes, Google Play Music. You can search for us on, I'm sure we're on at this point, most every podcatcher app and RSS feed um, catcher out there. So, any way you can get a hold of us, go for it. Be, feel free to rate and subscribe. That kind of is a motivator for us, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. And it's good to hear feedback. And it, like like I said, it's a motivator. It, it tells us what we're doing right, tells us what we're doing wrong, and it kind of gives us a little bit of energy with which to to bring you guys a great show. So, with that being said, uh, this is the end of episode thirty, and. We will see you guys when we see you.